Hello and welcome to Through the Telescope, the podcast that puts the lens on astronomy. I'm Rose Waugh and I'm an astrophysicist and science communicator. And I'm Elliot Bruce and I'm neither of those things, but I'll be trying to find out why we should even care about astronomy. We'll be exploring some of the big topics in the field in little manageable pieces and have some fun along the way. So, whether you know your red lines from your red shifts, or you're not quite sure what the difference between astronomy and astrology actually is, join us as we launch ourselves into the cosmos and try not to burn up on re-entry. Through the Telescope is sponsored by PicAstro, the astronomy and astrophotography image sharing app, dedicated to your images of the cosmos no matter what stage you are on your journey around the universe. No ads, spam or fake accounts. So, Ro. Today we're talking about Venus, the, yeah. the second planet from the sun. This evening, this Saturday evening. Yeah. Coming out a bit fine this yeah. week yeah. <laughs> in terms of recording. It's been a busy week. You've had lots of corrections and things for your thesis, so you've yeah. had that to go through. Emergency recording. But thankfully, you know, we're talking about Venus, so it's not something that's too... Yeah, alien. It's like Earth, but really not? Is that what you mean? Or Yeah, and just, you know, I think we all have some level of, of comfort anyway mm. with the planet. Yes. Because um, we've kind of grown up being interested in them and, and whatever. And yeah. they're, you know, relatively well taught as well at university levels. So. Yeah. So it's not, guess what I mean is you, you haven't decided, this week I want to talk about black holes, and I'm like, ah, yeah, like, so <laughs> I have no me, time, and that's out with my comfort zone. What is an event horizon, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so Venus, yeah, it's, it's also, it's not even that far away, it's like no, one of our nearest yeah. neighbours, so. Pretty close. Yeah. Okay, so, well, tell me, the basics, how big is Venus? Pretty much the same size as Earth. Oh. Really. Um, so, uh, I'm going to give this in miles initially, because okay. okay. being from the UK, um, we measure some distances in miles, although not not all yeah. our distances. <laughs> and then when you do any form of physics, everything's in SI units, and then you forget, you just like metres, metric all the way. But when it comes to things like distances... Yeah. I mean, we are already going off topic here, but the whole SI units thing is quite funny when you're from the UK because I feel like, you know, for example, and this probably is true in in the US as well, I don't know, but, mm. um, you know, mass, mm. SI units, kilogram, mm -hmm. anything you you care about, you are going to measure in terms of how many kilograms is it, you know? The sun all the way to a car, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's all kilograms. So I'm kind of, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And we, in everyday life, we bake yeah. in, in grams. 
in kilograms. I'm comfortable with the idea of a kilogram being a liter of water or, mm-hmm. you know, a bag of flour being like one and a half kilograms. It's yeah. fine. As soon as you speak to me about people. Right, yeah. I do not understand the concept of kilograms. Yeah. I can tell you how many pounds I am or how many stones pounds I am. You know, again, kids, they like to weigh kids and, and mm-hmm. measure their height mm-hmm. and track that on a lovely percentile. Whenever I find out how much my kid weighs in kilograms, I'm like, yeah, but what is that in real money? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what kilograms are in terms of a person. I also remember when when we first met, um, you would think of weight in terms of pounds, and I'd be like, sorry, I only do stone and pounds. <laughs> And it's like, oh, it's, it's an easy conversion. You just need to divide by 14. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. The beauty of the imperial system. Uh, yes, indeed. So, imperially speaking... Imperially speaking, the size, the radius of Venus... Okay. ...is 3,760 miles. miles. Which, compared to Earth, you know, is pretty similar, because Earth is 3,959. Okay. So they're, they're pretty similar. If you are someone who likes to measure your planets in terms of kilometres, A, good on you, and B, <laughs> the radius of Venus is about 6,050 kilometres. Okay. And if you like to measure it in terms of Earth radii, then it's about one. About one, yeah. Right. But a li- little bit smaller, pretty... but pretty much the same. Yeah. Does that mean its mass is kind of the same as well? Or... Um, well, its mass is... Very similar, because it's made of the same similar stuff. stuff. Um, but just because something is the same volume, that does not mean that it's the same mass in general, because your planet could be made of a completely different thing. Mm. Um, and then the mass would be very different. Yes, density. Um, but yes, for Venus, it's made of a similar thing, and it's a similar size, so therefore it's a very similar mass. And... Therefore, its gravitational force is also very similar. Yeah. So if I'm standing Earth. on Venus, then I'm not I'm not being ripped apart or f- jumping around like I'm on the moon or anything. It's pretty much no. Yeah. I mean, you got a lot of problems, but gravity isn't one of them. Okay. So is one of those she's temperature, given <laughs> that we're closer to the closer to the sun. Yeah. Yeah. If you are on Venus, you're quite a lot closer to the sun uh, than on Earth. Um, although it doesn't sound like it, because I'm, you know, I'm gonna then tell you how close is Venus to the sun? Mm. Uh, about sixty-seven million miles, right. or again, if you like kilometers, a hundred, hundred and ten-ish million kilometers. So that maybe doesn't sound that close. <laughs> yes, but it's it's pretty close. Yeah, about three quarters the distance. Okay. Uh, yeah. That that we are. From the sun. Okay. Um, so yeah, it has a, it has a higher temperature. Its surface temperature is over four hundred and sixty degrees Celsius, eight hundred and sixty degrees Fahrenheit, for our American friends. But that's not just because it's closer. Okay. That's also yeah. because it has um, it has a pretty wild atmosphere. Right. Yes. We talked a little bit before. I think did we about. Um in a previous episode about runaway greenhouse effects mm. and um, just 
it getting hotter and hotter and hotter. So that's the the atmosphere of Venus is making essentially is making the planet hotter than you would otherwise expect. Yes. Because it's trapping in that heat. Yeah. So that's why Venus is actually hotter than Mercury, even though it's further away mm. from the sun. It has a really thick atmosphere. Mercury doesn't really have an atmosphere, as we you know, talked about a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. So Venus is much better at retaining any heat that it gets from the sun. And like you say, it has a runaway greenhouse effect, so it's completely out of control. Mm. If it didn't have an atmosphere, it would be about 400 degrees Celsius less. Right, yes. Um, which is about 700 Fahrenheit less right, than yes. it is. So the greenhouse effect is having you know a huge impact on yes. the surface temperature. Jeez. Yeah. Because yeah. I think, I don't know if it's maybe, I mean, you forget things, you remember things, you tell yourself that you knew things that you never knew. But I'm not sure if it was only after having had a kid and obviously all of the learning that you have when you have a kid about dinosaurs and planets. Yeah, space. I'm not sure if it was then that I actually knew that Venus was the hottest planet in the solar system. I think I, if you asked me before, I probably would have said Mercury, just because it's closer. Yeah, and to be honest, like, it's a reasonable, it's a reasonable response, right, because... Mercury is so much closer to the sun that yeah. it's completely forgivable and and very logical, in fact, to respond to that question with, oh, yeah, Mercury will be the hottest. But, yeah, because of this greenhouse effect, this runaway greenhouse effect, it really has increased the temperature a lot on mm. Venus, you know. Um, so, so. What, so what is in the atmosphere? It's pretty gross. Okay. Uh, it's got a lot of carbon dioxide. Right. Okay. Uh, it's also got quite a lot of sulfuric acid. Lovely. Yeah. So they've so. got acid rain problems. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit smelly. Rotten egg. Okay. Kind of, kind of vibes. <laughs> right, so... Yeah. yeah. So I'm getting dissolved, am I, at this point? Well, I, yeah, I don't know about dissolved, but the air pressure at the surface of the planet mm. is about 90 times the surface pressure that you experience on Earth. Okay, yeah. So, you... <laughs> maybe, right. maybe the potential rain is not your biggest issue. So I'm very, very hot. I'm under a lot of I'm pressure, lot. literally. Yes. And also, it smells... <laughs> Um, <laughs> it smells like rotten eggs, just to... I'm being chemically stripped away. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'll probably end up like a a molten goo on the surface at that point. Oh. Yeah. It's probably not the best place to visit in the solar system. So what is the surface like? I feel like when I do hear about Venus, it's always talking about the atmosphere, which I guess yeah. when it's so thick, um, that's understandable. But what is the surface like? Do we know? Well, we do now. Okay. Um, for a long time, we didn't really know what the surface was like. And because it has such a really thick atmosphere the from Earth, we 
couldn't tell, you know, what was what was going on. Mm. But, you know, we've we've had probes and stuff there now. So we do we do know what the surface is like. It's solid. That's a start. Um I can stand on it. Yeah, you you can stand on it. It's solid. <laughs> Not for very long. <laughs> it's a it's a rocky planet, and it has a lot of volcanoes. Okay. Specifically, dome-like volcanoes. So it's kind of like a shield volcano, like a little sort of rounded. Yeah. One, I guess. Rather than a pointy, pointy one. Yeah. Um, it has rifts. It has mountains. It has. Expansive volcanic plains, huge plateaus. So yeah, it's got a it's got a lot of geography. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It sounds kind of like a hellscape, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. So it's it's a land of volcanoes and sort of fissures and wrinkly. It just sounds sort of tectonic or <laughs> yeah, yeah, volcanic. Yeah. Horrific, smoggy. Pretty much. Yeah. No wonder it smells like rotten eggs. You get volcanoes that smell like rotten eggs, right? Because they're also emitting, like, sulfury things. Brimstone. Yes, you do. Well, I guess that... Does that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'm not moving there anytime soon. No. So, I'm guessing that means... We're not really... It's not number one on our list of where to find life in the solar system. Well, it's not... Um, you're not going to be finding humanoid like, right, yeah. life on on Venus. I think we can say that yeah. pretty confidently. Um, but that doesn't mean there's no life. Okay. I mean... We... It's probably unlikely that there's going to be life at the surface mm. of the planet. Um, I mean, life on Earth proves to us time and time again that it can live in pretty crazy um, circumstances and, and environments that we previously wouldn't think there would be mm-hmm. life. So, you know, I suppose never say never. Yeah. As Jeff Goldblum says, life will find a way. Indeed. Um you know, and the real answer is we just don't know if there is, if there is life anywhere. You know, never mind on on Venus. Um, there's no conclusive evidence yet okay. <laughs> of life currently being on Venus or ever having existed there in the past. You know, because you know people have questioned before. Maybe there could have been life on Venus before the the greenhouse effect got completely run away and the planet became this really hostile environment. Yes. Maybe there was life before. Well, maybe there was. But we, we don't have any conclusive evidence that, that there is or ever was life there. You know, its surface temperature is crazy. We said it was 460 degrees Celsius, 860 Fahrenheit, which is already very extreme. And then an air pressure that's 90 times what you would have on Earth. Mm. You know, the combination. Water-based life is not going to be existing on the surface of the planet. You know, so not just 
no humans, but... <laughs> but It's a pretty sanitary environment, yeah, shall we say. You're going to be struggling to find anything. Um, of course, Venus is pretty famous these days because some scientists um, relatively recently suggested that, well, I mean, it was suggested that life in in the form of a micro microorganism might live in the upper atmosphere of the planet where temperatures and pressures aren't so extreme. So in the clouds? Yeah, in the clouds. And then, you know, relatively recently, September 2020, which feels like it was just yesterday, but it wasn't. (laughs) Um, A group of people, including Jane Greaves from the University of Cardiff, um, as well as loads of other people, you know, a whole range of um, universities, like the Open University and lots, lots of different universities, published some work that the media jumped on big time. I'm sure you remember it. I do, I do. And it, to be honest, I mean, the media loves to jump on uh, things and uh, maybe not necessarily distort them, maybe oversell them. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to not when the answer is, when, when the story is, there are aliens, even if the aliens might be just like microbes. <laughs> but Yes, although that wasn't the story at all. No. Once again, they did uh, oversell. And we did actually watch the press conference yes. of uh, by Jane Greaves. And she was, all of the people, including her, were very, very keen to stress that they had found evidence of things that they could not attribute to anything yes. uh, that was not life-based. But that does not mean that there are not reasons that it might uh, not be life-based. It might be that their understanding of things is not complete because of the different circumstances on Venus compared to Earth. But there is a possibility that it could come from uh, life because that's the only way we can understand it currently based on our models. Wow. Not the same as... It's definitely aliens, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. I'm really impressed you remembered all that. Uh, thank you. Uh, I, I do remember... I remember watching at the time and I was like... It was just... It was so obvious that they were like, we're, re- we're not saying there's yeah. life. We're really not saying... We're just saying it might be, but we we can't definitively say it. It's just that it might be and we know that... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I felt for Jane. I really did. Jane's an absolutely fantastic person, by the way. She's um, she's absolutely wonderful. I also remember one of the um, questions was, so if there is life there, then how did it get there? Did it come from Earth or did we come from Venus? Oh, man. Yes. So, just to clarify all that. <laughs> <laughs> To get some actual for the, description. For the listeners, uh, in case anyone out there doesn't remember this, which... Which I think unlikely, but, but I don't know. But um, it's a long time ago. Yeah, they they found evidence of phosphines in the atmosphere of Venus, which are also themselves stinky. Um, yes, but I think maybe more fishy than eggy. Oh, delightful! Yeah. It's nice to have a chemist's uh, viewpoint on this. And basically, they couldn't explain 
where these phosphines had come from. And they did a lot of work, and I mean a lot of work, as you have to do in mm. science, right, to try and explain where they might have come from. And basically they concluded a few things. It could be a biosignature, mm. which is signature, some sort of evidence of of life. Oh, specifically, some kind of biological process. Specifically biological life. Yeah. Because, you know, we could be up for debate about where does life begin? Does it have to be biological? We could get into some real philosophy there. What would you mean, like, aliens existing on another plane? What about a race of robots and so on? Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. And if they make each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, that could be a future episode, perhaps, if people are interested. A bit of philosophy. So it could be a biosignature, because we know that phosphines uh, are, um, are formed in biological processes on Earth. Mm-hmm. Including bacteria, right? There are some right. bacteria. That... Yeah. Or it could be... And they stressed this very heavily, very, <laughs> very okay. heavily, uh, as their preferred and expected um, reason that it's evidence that we do not understand the chemistry in the environment of mm. Venus's atmosphere. Yeah, because they have run so many models, they've collected lots of data, they've analysed various different things. And all that understanding of the chemistry that would be happening in that environment could not explain there being phosphines present. Mm. Which you would hopefully be able to replicate, right? But because the the environment of Venus and its atmosphere is so different to what we experience on Earth, yeah. as with many other things in Astro, it becomes, you know, very difficult that you can be that confident in how your understanding of you know even chemistry mm. or that we might think of as like basic and very well understood yeah we just we have no experience of that environment mm. and so we don't actually know that our understanding of you know more basic science is correct in that situation yeah mm-hmm. basic in the sense of fundamental as can happen in science, studies since then have not found... There have been studies since then that have not found evidence of phosphines mm. in the atmosphere. You know, um, it could be that the phosphines weren't there um, and, you know, something else was picked up. It was mistaken. It wasn't analysed. Mm. Um, there was some, you know, some sort of error or something in in the analysis mm. or it could be that they were there and now they're not right yeah they saw it which i guess um yeah would suggest that then if it was life then it got snuffed out <laughs> um um i don't know i mean i don't know how much phosphine you would have to have mm it was in a particular bit, right? For they could locate it, it at a certain point. Show up. I don't like. I don't know what intensity mm. you would you would need. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that's outside of my knowledge base and probably outside the knowledge base of the vast majority of, of mm. people. Um, was their theory kind of, if it was life, then it would have been however many millions of years ago Venus, the surface of Venus was habitable and life evolved there and then as the greenhouse effect took hold more and more the surface became um, uninhabitable but by that point um, life had got into the atmosphere is that kind of the idea? Yeah so I mean this is these are we're talking about lots of different bits of work Mm. Yeah, this is not one study. This is not like this one paper that's come out with all of this stuff yeah. that we're talking about. So a recent study from before this, from 2019, um, concluded that Venus now obviously is not habitable. Mm. But it could have had surface water and it could have been in a habitable condition for around three billion years. Okay. And that sounds like a lot, but I guess in terms of life, that's like a reasonable amount, but not like a ridiculously yeah. large. Yeah, it's it's a pretty long time, right? And it might still have been in this habitable habitable condition until about seven hundred or seven hundred and fifty million years ago. So, in the grand scheme of things, that's not really that long ago. If you're talking mm. about three billion years of it being habitable. Mm. If that's correct, that's ample time for life to form and for the microbial life to then evolve to uh, to be aerial, to be within mm. the clouds of the planet. I think that's something that is weird to me, is like also on the Earth, that like microbes get everywhere, including yeah. the sky. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't really think of microbial life as life i think yeah you know we're so used to looking around us and thinking that life is the plants the animals the humans everything might uh, macroscopic yeah. yeah and so we don't actually you know come to appreciate and understand how much life is kind of everywhere on earth yeah and so it might sound initially pretty weird mm that there could be life in the clouds of Venus. But actually, it's n maybe not that weird an idea and it's not that weird a thing to propose um, in that sense. Yeah. You know, it's like, the jury is very much out on whether life does exist on Venus or ever did exist on, on Venus. We, d we just don't know the answer. Yeah. Um. Certainly, an interesting thing to to wonder about and to yeah. think about, um, but we don't really. It sounds perhaps a lot more crazy than it may be. Yes. Is. Yeah. I think also when you when you have those three billion years when it could have happened, and it's a planet that's right next door, you know, and you know that the Earth has managed to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It kind of weirdly makes it not necessarily the best candidate for life other than Earth that we have. 
given that we can now look at however many exoplanets. But it's the easiest, or one of the few few easiest cases to actually get an idea of whether that is the case or not. Even compared yeah. to like the moon, when people talk about the moons of Jupiter or Saturn or whatever, like we can't send anything there really without waiting like ages for it to get there and then have no idea whether it will actually get any information or not, you know? Yeah, we're not restricted by so many of the other things that we that we have with moons far out in the solar system or um, exoplanets that it's just very difficult to physically get to and we rely very much on observations um, just using telescopes for, mm. for a lot of things. Because um, like you say, we can actually send probes there to do things um, and hopefully learn a lot about life from that whether that is that that we ever find life mm. or that we don't ever find any evidence of life you know if, if we never find any evidence that life ever existed on venus mm. that is insightful and that is interesting because like you say it's it seems like it was a good candidate at some point mm. so then why not yeah and the more the more information we can get on that, then the more we may potentially understand in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. About life. Yeah. So another thing that I've learned having a kid about um space is that uh Venus spins in retrograde. It does indeed. I'm impressed that it's taken you to having a kid to learn that because I feel like that's something that comes up in horoscopes quite a lot. Like Venus is in retrograde. It does sound very <laughs> horoscopy. It's it's um yeah, it's rising. Which of in... course they don't mean in that sense, but yes. but uh it's, it's yeah uh, um, it's Jupiter is ascending, Venus is in retrograde. Um, yeah. so you should probably um have luck in your love life this month, but mm-hmm. you might want to worry about your spending. Mm. I can't remember what the other thing is. I feel like it's always, like, relationships, money, and something else? Health, maybe? Health, probably, is it? Yeah. Yeah. You might stub your toe this month. (laughs) Watch out for doors. Okay, I hope everyone's listening to Elliot's horoscope for this month. Well, that's only for Sagittarius's, so... Okay, the rest of us just never get to find out. No. We just have to go blind into the month of April. I mean, it's about as useful as a horoscope, (laughs) so... Yeah, Yeah. so retrograde just means, like, backwards motion. Okay, yeah. So in astrology, that means, you know, you look up at the night sky, you're looking at the stars, you're looking at the planets, and um, the planet is moving, you know, backwards. Mm, Retro. So if you you look... um, kind of the path that a planet makes in the night sky mm. over time. It kind of does a weird, like, backwards and forwards thing instead of just going, like, from from west to east or mm. whichever way around it is. You can tell how bad I am with directions. Mm. But 
instead of just going, you know, in one smooth motion, it kind of tracks back and forth a bit. Yes. Um, which is, you know, how they got their name, mm-hmm. because they're, they were referred to as wandering stars. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of Venus, the fact that it, is, it rotates in retrograde means that it rotates the opposite way about its axis to the way that it orbits. Right, okay. So, it orbits the sun anti-clockwise, like us, but it rotates about its own axis clockwise. Right. Right, so that we go round the sun anti-clockwise and rotate anti-clockwise, I guess. Yes. Although I'm wondering who it is that comes along and defines which, which way is... Anti-clockwise, because if you flip the thing yeah. upside down, mm-hmm. it'll be the other way around. Um, Convention. <laughs> probably rich Europeans in the past. We've deci- I imagine it's that we've decided that the north, northern yeah. hemisphere of the mm-hmm. Earth is, is the up. north of the solar system. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Uh, but we, so. we spin in prograde... Right, is that not the opposite of retrograde? Yeah, most planets do. But Venus is different. Venus is different. Yes, because it rotates in retrograde. It rotates the wrong way, in okay. a sense. Okay. So that it's, then... it's abnormal to spin on your axis the opposite way to the way that you're going. So is that some like star. angular momentum thing again? It's yeah. always angular momentum. Yeah. So does that mean then the sun rises in the west and sets in the east? Yes. Although Not I don't know you if you can see even it see it. Yes. Because its atmosphere is so thick. Nice. But if you could see through it, then yes. Yeah. Which is pretty fun. But if you were on Venus, you'd also have more issues than which way the sun's coming up. Yeah. I think that's yeah. true. Oh. Yeah. So and how... it rotates pretty slowly about its axis as well. So a day on Venus, takes you 243 Earth days. That's a long day. Yeah. And a year... <laughs> okay. ...is 225 Earth days. Wait, so... It, it, sorry. A Venusian year is... Two, 243 Earth days. But the a year is 225... A, yeah, days. a day on Venus is 243 Earth days, and a year is 225 Earth days. Right. So it's a year is longer than its days. So you celebrate New Year every day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jeez. Yes, you do. But I don't think I would want to be awake for an entire day on Venus. No, I don't know how you would... I don't know how you'd be able to maintain okay. a work schedule. And that's because it rotates... Slowly going around backwards. Yeah. Okay, so it goes around backwards, but only just, as it were. Yeah. Yes. It's not quite, but as you know, as um, kind of tidally locked. Oh, okay. In that it pretty much one side of it faces the sun all the mm. time. But it, it does slowly move around, so... The, the the side that's tidally locked shifts 
over time. Is that kind of... Yeah, that's why I say so it's, it's kind, kind of, of tidally locked. locked. It's yeah. soft locked or yes. tidally slowed. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so it's not like, you know, the moon and the earth, the moon is tidally locked. Mm. We only ever see one face of the moon. Mm. We never see the dark side of the moon. Yeah, but it's... It's of... like that, but it's not... It's not quite so synced up. Mm. Um, but it's still, you know, very noticeable. You still get some of the effects of it mm. because because it is, you know, almost there, if you like. Yeah. So the side that's facing the sun is going to get mega hot. Yes. This, the other side is still going to be hot, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's but not, not, so. not the same. Um, so... Yeah, you still get that kind of effect. It's just it's not quite, not quite there. Yeah. So, this is somewhat different. But when I was looking at things about Venus for this episode, something weird that I found was if you wanted to say something was from Venus, you would say Venusian, right? Like that's. Uh, yeah, one can. <laughs> is is there anything else you'd like to call it? Or just from Venus. Yeah, I... Or of Venus. I would just say it's from Venus because I don't... I don't like to struggle over the Venusian... Yeah, Venusian, 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 yeah, whatever. I feel like, you know, I don't like conflict. So I'll just back out of that one. (laughs) Well, I think basically when people were starting to talk about Venus and they wanted to... Mm-hmm. describe things as being Venusian, uh, Venetian, <laughs> um, then... There's quite a lot of uh, different ones out there. Yeah. Yeah. People wanted to call, wanted to come up with a word to say it was from or of Venus, but they didn't like Venusian, which was just Venus plus Ian, because that'd be like calling it Earth Ian or whatever. So they liked to go back to some etymology so they started off with latin and they were like venus that would be um venerian and then somebody was like yeah that sounds like venereal yeah um you can't have that that that's dodgy like right okay well let's think of the greek version because we love greek things too about aphrodisian and they're like no that sounds like an aphrodisiac like, there's an issue with a planet that is related to the goddess of love. Um, so then eventually they settled on Scytherean. Yeah. Which I'd never heard of before. Really? Yeah, apparently Scytherea is the island next to where Venus appeared out of the sea. Um, right. So people started using... Scytherean. I always wondered why people went with that. This is very, um, very random. Uh, but you still honest. get you still get a couple of people using it today. It sounds like you do. I don't use it. Uh, not you personally, but you know of people that... Um, yeah, well, I don't think I've ever heard it said. Mm. Um, but I've certainly seen it written down. Apologies to lot. any ancient Greeks listening to um, for my pronunciation. But. Yeah, it's, I've definitely seen it written down quite a lot, really. Uh, Interesting. 
but I don't really know how widespread though. widespread it is um, in kind of astrophysics rather than because I don't tend to read papers about Venus. No, that's fair. Um, I would love to, but mm. I just do not have time to read lots of papers that are wildly outside of my um, research area. Mm. Do you read it in sci-fi then? But, <laughs> yeah, I've seen it in sci-fi. I've seen it in more popular science okay. stuff. Um, it may very well be used in the know venus astrophysics community mm. uh, i've never I, i've never seen it used i've never you know seen or heard it used um in kind of conferences or yeah. like uh seminar talks where i might you know come across work that's more outside my research area it feels like it only exists as a word to be a crossword clue you know, yeah. it definitely feels like a three across from Venus. And you're like, uh, um, Venusian doesn't fit. Doesn't fit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. And then you rage at the person that set the crossword at the end when you find out it was Scytherean. That's not a word. It, it is, though, but... <laughs> uh, but I'm just ignorant. I... I've never, I've never heard it said. Do you generally how I feel when I do crosswords? <laughs> um, which perhaps kind of goes to show it's not very common. Yeah, or you don't talk to people that talk about Venus or talk about it as Scytherine. Perhaps it's more used by the arts community. Maybe. So... Venus was the first planet that we sent a probe to. It was. 1962 flyby. Yeah. And I think we sent quite a few since. It's nearby, so, you know, hopping over to other things. Yeah. But there are some more that have been announced relatively recently that are going to be happening supposedly in the late 2020s, maybe early 2030s. And one of my favourites, because it is... I know your favourite thing, Ro. Uh, oh, Veritas. Yeah. Obviously, Truth in Latin. It's a NASA probe. Now, what does Veritas <laughs> stand for? Answer on a postcard, please. It's clearly... A Venus... I don't know. Yeah. I, it, don't, I don't know. It, it's Venus... Emissivity, radio science, INSAR, topography, and spectroscopy. Right, so what they've done is they've <laughs> taken the planet's name. Yeah. And then they've said, we have all these instruments on board. Yes. And then they've made it spell Venus. Yeah. I think they've also been helped uh, with... Venus. The... <laughs> <Paratus>. <laughs> yeah. I think oh, it's too late on a Saturday night for this. I think they've gone, what is going to be about Venus, so what words start with V? And they come up with that. So, yeah. But that's going to um, be launching late this decade. and um, That's it, very exciting. Yeah, yeah, and I guess it takes a little bit of time to get there, but not too long, given that it's... 
yeah. Venus. In the grand scheme of things, not yeah. very long. And then it's going to be looking at basically the differences in the evolution of mm-hmm. Earth and Venus as planets and why they are different even though they're like kind of similar and why it is no longer habitable. Which is a really big question that we all want to know the answer to. Hmm. Um, yeah, another one is Da Vinci. Hmm. I don't know what this one stands for, unfortunately, but I'm guessing the V stands for Venus. Could be wrong. I'm not a betting person, but that seems like a sensible... But my my favourite thing about Da Vinci is it's looking at the atmosphere mm-hmm. of Venus... And part of that is it's going to drop a probe down through the atmosphere. Mm. And as it does that, it's going to be sending back messages. It's going to be taking lots of measurements, sending back all the data. And they they don't necessarily plan on it remaining intact once it reaches the surface. Yeah. But they have a slightly sort of optimistic... Um, phrase when they say um, if it does manage to reach the surface intact then it might provide a couple of minutes of useful data before it melts. <laughs> uh, That's pretty exciting because a couple of minutes is actually a long time. Especially in, when you've got zero minutes. So in that far. environment. But yeah it's just um, um, yeah I saw some other things where basically um landers on Venus are not really a thing because everything no. melts. Yes. Um, there is no point in that being the aim, or at least not right now, because, yeah, the the conditions are just too extreme, and to some extent it feels a bit like, what, what are we gaining mm. from that? Um, yeah. You know, we we always gain from new information and stuff, but you have to. It has to be a mission where there is a a doable An amount of science. Goal. You know, yeah. like you have to be able to to gain enough information for that to be worthwhile. Mm. And um, it doesn't. The conditions yeah. on Venus's surface are so extreme. But it, you know, it would be very exciting if their probe managed to last any length of time mm. on the surface. You know, two minutes would be really exciting because that's actually a pretty long time. But, um, but even gotta... less than that, you're still gaining information that that is helpful, and you yeah. gained a lot of science on the way down as well. So yeah, because I guess you can't just say let me launch this probably multi-million um, <laughs> dollar space probe uh, because hopefully it might reach the surface. If it does reach the surface, it might not crash and explode. Mm-hmm. And we might maybe just about get two minutes worth, maybe a bit longer, of um, data before it yeah. completely melts. Um yeah, that's a hard one to sell. Which, you know, like you're saying about all the different kind of things that you can sort of measure. Um, all space probes really have many different things, don't they? 
on them to, I guess... Yeah, you've got to maximise it. Get the most bang from your buck, as they say. Uh, and Veritas, despite the fact that, you know, both despite. of us are not keen on shoving <laughs> shoving words into an acronym, um, all of the bits of the acronym, apart from the V, are related to a different type of... Yeah, a different instrument that it has on board, yeah. so... So, yeah. Fair play to them there. Yeah. But, but with Veritas, when it's doing stuff about why Earth and Venus are different, you can come up with a better name. It doesn't need to be an acronym, you know? Just, I don't know. If I was in charge of NASA, then they'd have a lot of problems. But, you know, we'd, we could sort out some nice names. Yeah, I don't like, I don't like the acronyms. No, if you do like the acronyms, then good for you. Because you, just because other people don't like things doesn't mean you can't. But you know, uh, so that's the future of studying Venus. But also, another thing that I know Venus from is the transits of Venus. Oh yes, um, which. I don't really know why I, I know about them. I would say that they're more infamous yes. than famous. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Captain Cook, not necessarily the most chill of guys. And he's just one part of things. But anywho, um, the transit of Venus is when Venus goes across the sun. I was going to say the solar disk, but then I thought that sounded too pretentious. Um, Venus goes across the sun. It's kind of like a... What's the word? Kind of like a I, lunar eclipse. But I would say the solar disk, because it's not actually going across the sun. It's just crossing in front of the sun from our perspective. Yes. It's yeah. an eclipse of a sort. But it doesn't really eclipse it properly, so... If you know what I mean. It's, it's too small to eclipse, so... Yes. Yeah, so it passes in front of the sun from our viewpoint. Um, and from, I mean, observations in, like, the 1600s, I think was the first time they did it. Uh, and they had to go to all different parts of the world because they only last, like, a couple of minutes. And, yeah. yeah, and you can't guarantee weather conditions, etc., etc. So they sent a whole bunch of people out in different directions in the hope of trying to catch and measure things. And by doing this, you are able to work out um, the size of the solar system. You could work out um, mm -hmm. the size of Venus, the distance between the sun and the Earth and basically everything. Yeah. Um, and it's just one of those sort of experiments, for want of a better word. It just sort of it puts a puts a pin in sort of our knowledge of science. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like before that, and, and also there was like no other way to know what the size of our solar system was, right? And, you know, 1639 or whatever it was is not actually that long ago, really. No. You know, I mean... The USA hasn't been founded yet as an independent nation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a 
it's not that long ago to say that was when we had, you know, a pretty accurate um, measurement of of one AU. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know how when you would expect humans to have that knowledge, but I think it's just sometimes it's quite enlightening looking at kind of the history of, of astronomy and being like actually like yeah the whole whilst we as a species have you know presumably always been like in some way impressed by space mm. and we know that that humans have been interested in space for an incredibly long time. Mm. But a lot of our knowledge of it is quite recent. I mean, yeah. there are huge amounts of astronomy where our knowledge is ancient. Mm -hmm. But there's lots of it where it's really quite recent. Mm. And sometimes having that perspective is quite nice. Mm. You know, just realising that how much knowledge we've gained so quickly, kind mm -hmm. of. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I think it's also when you have any sort of... When you've got any experience of doing physics at school, there are equations where if you if you don't have one thing, the equation doesn't work, right? You can't get a natural value. Mm -hmm. You just get a different equation. As it were. Yeah, you, get, you just get a relationship. Yeah. So, until something like this, you don't have a number for whatever value, whatever parameter. And then once you do, you then all of a sudden unlock, like, all this other knowledge. Yeah, you know? the ability to then find out a whole bunch of other things because you have a value for something that that you have, you know, a level of confidence in. Yeah. Yeah. They don't happen very often, transits no. of Venus. It's about every 100 years you get a pair. And yeah, they, they are twos. Yeah, and they're eight years apart. And it's something to do with the fact that the orbit of Venus and the orbit of Earth periods are almost in a ratio that's kind of set, so that, like, X number of... Rotations of right. the Earth around yeah. the Sun syncs up with X many rotations of Venus. Uh, so the last one was in 2012, yeah. which was the second of a pair, the other mm -hmm. one being in 2004. Um, and. Yeah, and I remember. Remember that? See, I don't. And I'm going to need to wait until 2117. The next one. Yeah, I'm afraid you missed it. So, yeah. But what I also find crazy about this is people can, they know where you're going to be able to view. Do you know, I, I kind of get the idea, right? Things rotate, you know how they're all going to sync up or whatever. But it's just kind of crazy that it's like, oh, yeah, you'll be able to view a perfect transit of Venus in, like, Egypt, Algeria, wherever. You know what I mean? Like... They just yeah. know. It's the same with, like, solar eclipses and everything. Where the I'm conditions just... apply. Yes. Clouds <laughs> may appear as well as disappear. But it's just, like, it's, I just find it so crazy that we're able to, like, forecast that kind of thing, you know. Mm -hmm. But I guess also... That's the joy of maths, though. 
Yeah, and also it's a relatively simple system because we can't work out what the weather's going to be like tomorrow, but we know exactly who's going to be able to see a full solar eclipse or whatever. Yes, well, it's a considerably, considerably simpler system Mm. than our atmosphere. Yes. So that's not really too surprising. No, no. The other thing about Venus is that it is the third brightest celestial object from Earth after the sun and the moon. Uh, And you can, because it's close to the sun, you can only see it just before dawn or just after dusk. Yeah, that's where it gets its nickname from. The morning star or the evening... Is it even star? Or evening star? Even star. I think both work. Um, yeah, we talked about this in the night sky night sky episode. If anyone mm. has not listened to that and uh, is interested in hearing more about mm. what you can spot in the night sky, turns out the ancient Egyptians and the ancient Greeks apparently thought that they were different. The one in the morning was not the same as the one at night. Oh, I see. Interesting. Uh, which makes sense because why would they be? But, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's um, a pretty sensible assumption, really. Yeah, um, but a weird sidebar is that actually Venus, or a mythological character that was sort of based on Venus from like an old Germanic text, or whatever, inspired Tolkien to uh, make a poem that would later expand out to be the basis of Middle Earth. Wow. So, uh, without nice. without Venus, um, we wouldn't have Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, any of it. Huh. Yeah. Wow. You know, I thought I was going to leave everyone with a cool fact, but now yours is much cooler. So go read the Silmarillion. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Wow. What, what was your cool fact? Uh, well, because Venus rotates so slowly... Mm. Is actually nearly spherical. Okay. Which maybe doesn't sound that weird, because we kind of think of planets as spheres. But um, most planets aren't, most objects, you know, aren't, um, because they rotate, and that squishes them, or elongates them, depending on... How yeah. you think about it, uh, but Venus so slow, it's pretty mm. much a sphere. I guess it's a bit like having clay on a wheel and you're trying to make a bowl or a pot or something and then you spin it too fast and everything starts to get thrown outwards. Yeah. Uh, whereas if it's nice and slow, it doesn't change its shape. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Well. But it's, it's not got anything on Tolkien, so... Oh, fair. And with that. Yeah, with that, we'll uh, see you next week. So that just about wraps things up for this episode. Please, can we encourage you to subscribe to Through the Telescope wherever you find your podcasts. And if you like, you can leave us a nice positive review as well. It really helps the show and it makes it easier for more people to find us. Feel free to send us any comments, questions or suggestions of things or people you'd like to hear about or from in future episodes. 
or perhaps to put yourself forward to chat about your own astro research or experiences. As always, you can find us on Instagram at Through the Telescope Podcast, or you can find me at astrophysicist underscore rose. You can also find us on Twitter at The Telescope Pod, and you can contact us by email at Through the Telescope Podcast at gmail.com. And with that, we'd like to thank you very much for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again next time. Bye. Bye.